This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and this is Gigi Wallpit, the show that talks about all things video games. This week, we're going to take a look back at the recent Tokyo Game Show 2021 and some of the games shown during the event. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ali Johan and of Nail Thing. Thank you, Hanif. Here are some news headlines from the week, starting off with Grand Theft Auto. So last week, we reported on rumours that there might be a remaster of old Grand Theft Auto games coming based on a leak from the South Korean rating agency. And it seems like uh, Rockstar feels like it's not worth keeping the game a secret anymore and have now officially announced its existence. Apart from confirming that Grand Theft Auto The Trilogy, the definitive edition, will be coming soon for the main consoles, including for Switch and PC, with mobile ports coming next year. Uh, they also said that they will start delisting all the older games soon, and uh, they did not review any release date, apart from the fact that it will be released this year. Yeah, so the three games in question are GTA 3, GTA Vice City, and GTA San Andreas. The three games will feature um, across-the-board games upgrades which includes a graphical improvement uh, some modern gameplay enhancements as well but uh, apparently it will still maintain the classic look and feel of the originals and like we said earlier a mobile port for the ios and android will be coming in in the first half of 2022 but the existing versions of the games will be delisted so there'll be more details uh, on new releases in the following weeks. Yeah, this decision does not go well uh, for those who believe in game preservation with fans going to Steam reviews to suggest to other gamers to get the original right now before they lose their chance forever. We'll bring you more information in the future as and when we receive them as usual. Okay, moving on. Activision Blizzard, who are still reeling from their recent harassment scandal, are now picking up the pieces and uh, they've just announced a new director for the upcoming Diablo 4. Joe Shelley, who has worked on World of Warcraft and Diablo 3, will be the new director at the helm. Yes, and the previous director, Luis Barriga, who was sacked following allegations of harassment and abuse, uh, and Shelley himself did address the elephant in the room briefly uh, in a blog post saying that the outgoing director, Luis Barriga, he, uh, he was sacked following allegations of harassment and abuse. And uh, Joe Shelley himself addressed the elephant in the room about the case briefly in, in a blog post saying that the team has been reflecting upon the recent events and now a lot of it definitely happened. Uh, but the work and development for Diablo 4 will continue. But having said that, the game will not be releasing anytime soon because Blizzard just released Diablo 2 Resurrected, which is a remake of the classic Diablo sequel. And I think we will bring you a review of the game later down the road. Um, up next, we have news on tech giants Sony, who's reportedly considering building a chip factory in Japan with a partner. Mm-hmm. According to a report by Reuters, sourced from a story from Nikkei, Sony and Taiwan's TSMC, the world's largest chip maker of course, are discussing a partnership to build a chip factory in Japan. With the government of Japan willing to chip in, pun intended, with the investment that's going to cost up to 800 billion yen. So the plan would produce conductors for automobiles, camera image sensors and other products that are affected by the global chip shortage and would be running by 2024. The report also said that TSMC is worried about chip making being concentrated in Taiwan under the shadow of China. 
Right, and apart from that, it is hoped that by moving the production closer to home can increase the source of production as well. These companies will eventually be able to circumvent the problem of silicon shortages. And previously, uh, we have reported on the fact that silicon shortages are expected to continue until next year, and this will be affecting the console market as well. Okay, lastly, Capcom's Resident Evil 7 Biohazard uh, has become the first game in the series to ship over 10 million copies. Uh, and in a press release, Capcom said that the game has uh, set new milestones for the company as it is the first game in the series to sell that many units. It's also the first for Capcom in their foray into first-person view. Yeah, FYI, shipped copies here means that the games are sent over to retailers as opposed to copies that are actually sold and bought by gamers. Capcom added that the game's impressive figures are largely down to the promotion of digital sales and synergies with the series' latest instalment, the recently released Resident Evil Village. And this is just the latest in a series of successes for the franchise. Last year, the franchise set new records for Capcom after it became the first in its history to exceed 100 million units sold worldwide. Wow, yeah. So it's good to see a franchise like Resident Evil doing so well. And it's also nice to hear the success of the seventh installment in the franchise of Resident Evil as well. And if you have not checked out the game, do so. It's pretty good, the new one. It brought back the game to its horror roots. Okay, so that's all the news we have this week. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Ali and Ofnil. Two weeks ago, Tokyo Game Show 2021 happened virtually, and while the event itself was quite a spectacle, what was announced was a bit... Hmm, underwhelming. Joining me to unpack the event is Jonathan Leo, Content Director at gaming website kakuchopure.com. Well, I would say I think you were right on the ball in the fact that there aren't any major announcements. Yes, Tokyo Game Show 2021 has a really nice poster art. I mean, for one, that was one announcement they made earlier on. And for in terms of big titles, it's more Japan-centric, of course. So they announced a new Dynasty Warriors 9 Empires, the release date for that game after much delay, which was basically like the Empire's update to the Dynasty Warriors franchise from Koei Tecmo. They also announced a new... RPG entry Atelier Sophie 2 I mean it's actually big in Japan like this this is a really niche Koei Tecmo series so people are looking forward to that anime kind of JRPG action with alchemic synthesizing abilities and new characters and a new world and a new continuation of the fan favorite Atelier Sophie storyline and there's actually even a new studio called 110 Industries they made an, a few announcements for games like Wanted Dead and a few other titles. Like, they actually recruited a bunch of ex-Team Ninja, Capcom, and Koei Tecmo folks to make their own action games. So that's also one big new thing. And Sega also announced a spiritual successor to its hit Japanese mobile game title, Chain Chronicle. The new title is called Sin Chronicle. It features uh, non-recoverable like um, story moments where if you pick one decision, you're stuck with a decision, which is very new for a mobile JRPG. The game itself is a turn-based combat game with some real-time exploration bits on the mobile phone and it looks really good. It features the art style from Chain Chronicle and even the same developers and story writers from Chain Chronicle. So that's actually big news for Japan. Beyond that, most of the big announcements or quote-unquote big announcements are mostly updates to existing titles like Scarlet Nexus and Tales of Arise, uh, two big RPGs that came out earlier this year. Mm. There are also announcements on, I think, some of the games from Square Enix, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think related to Final Fantasy VII. 
Uh, yeah, those were actually announced ages ago, actually. They're just actually reiterating, like, oh, we have updates to this, and we have the North American release date for the first soldier, FF7, which is basically a battle royale game featuring Final Fantasy VII characters. I mean, not, not you know, Aerith, Cloud, and whatnot, but soldiers, you know, Cloud's faction, and, you know, Shinra's faction, and whatnot. And the other game you mentioned, Strangers of Paradise, they released a new demo. It actually features the first stage from the first demo and then an additional swamp stage with an equally tough boss so it's pretty interesting i believe the game itself feels fine to play it's just that they need to work on the frame rate and it actually runs pretty pretty bad on new next-gen consoles so hopefully team ninja can fix this game and plus there are actually some memeable cutscenes which you probably saw on twitter like some little scenes where the guy says a bad word and then he puts on limb biscuit and runs off without any explanation it's pretty funny you can probably see memes of that online on Twitter mm, and then there was also an announcement of Monster Hunter Rise uh, coming to PC soon right I think next year oh yeah yeah that's a big announcement that's uh, yeah Monster Hunter Rise is coming out for PC early January there's actually a new expansion called Sunbreak which I believe is coming out middle maybe middle or the end of 2022 it's essentially like Frostborn for Monster Hunter World where it's like an additional expansion with a new region for players to play through. So it'll be, it's basically more Monster Hunter. So if you love that, you will love uh, Sunbreak, the expansion. Mm, um, there are also, I think, announcements for fighting games, right? I think King of Fighters, uh, I think they announced one new character. Oh yeah, there's one new character called Isla. She looks pretty good and she's actually one of the main characters announced for that entry of King of Fighters 15. I'm looking forward to that one. That is coming out next year, March, if I recall. And it looks very solid. They actually showed a lot of gameplay. They showed like what's going on, what's on tap. The system is true to its 2D roots with ways to cancel your attacks and, you know, pull off one, one hit touch of death combos here and there. Some characters got the buffs they deserve. And yeah, Isla looks really fun to play. She's got those hands coming out. She's a really good beginner character. In fact, I would say that new characters in fighting games are generally the ones you want to actually lean towards to because the game's new system are is usually tailored around new characters. So Isla will be one character you want to play in King of Fighters 15. Mm. Microsoft was also there, right? Microsoft and if I'm not mistaken, Bethesda. And I think they sort of like, I think Phil Spencer came out to say that they're going to commit to making a lot more games for the Japanese market. And also like Bethesda saying that they're going to be localizing a lot of their upcoming games as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They announced a lot of localization. They're going to do like same time localization Japanese version for Starfield and as well as Arcane's upcoming title like Redfall. And um, there's also another Bethesda game, uh, Ghost, Ghostwire Tokyo, right? I believe. They're also doing those titles. Yeah. So overall, what do you think of the lineup for this uh, latest edition of Tokyo Game Show? I wouldn't say it's bad or good. I'd say it's more like in the middle per se. It's like there are some exciting titles that I'm looking forward to, but only because my taste in Japanese games are preferably higher than for Western titles. But for the rest of the world, probably not. So I got to be a bit fair here. I mean, the one title I did like was probably Sin Chronicle because that's probably going to be a big RPG for Sega so that they can actually get the money to make all the upcoming Yakuza games and Sonic games, as well as a new Atelier Sophie sequel and a new level 5 action RPG called Megaton Musashi. You, it's like a cartoony, group-based action RPG title where you control a mecha and you defeat monsters. 
there's also a they also announced and showed off a bit of gameplay for the Euden Chronicles spin-off game called Euden Chronicle Rising. It's a 2D action game. You do hack and slash stuff, you explore the world with three switchable characters. That's coming out next year, I believe. And the actual Euden Chronicle RPG is coming out with those three characters along with like a hundred others, I believe in 2023. So this 2D game is more like a palette cleanser, like a one game to come out to hype up the upcoming big RPG in 2023. And that is a really small studio-style RPG with grand ambitions, so hopefully that works out well. And also there were a bunch of new different concerts, like musical concerts from MiHoYo, the guys who make Genshin Impact, one big concert from Sega, one Monster Hunter concert from Capcom, and two lounge jazz cover music concerts from Square Enix. So at the very least, even if you're not overwhelmed with if you're not impressed with the video game announcements at least you get to enjoy some free music from these companies you can just do a quick search like tgs 2021 concerts on youtube you'll find there's a lot of replays from the companies itself and they're really good to listen to you know like because tgs itself when you go to the live events they have these concerts in different venues so it's nice that they actually did something free you know just for this trying few years in video game industry stuff. Mm. Uh, I'm going to touch a bit on that uh, a bit later, but for now, I'm just curious as to, like, I think the kind of games that we see right um, announced um, last week, right? I think if you think about it, like um, RPG is very big in Japan, and so it's not really a surprise when you see a lot of RPGs being announced, right? Mm, yeah. I'm actually even more surprised that there was no big Final Fantasy 16 news. Yes, there was actually a... Fireside channel featuring Hironobu Sakaguchi, the Final Fantasy guy, and Naoki Yoshida, who handles Final Fantasy XIV and Part Sixteen. All they did was just talk about the design of RPGs in general. And of course, he Naoki Yoshida said that the game is still progressing fine. So can't really make any big announcements saying that, yeah, we're working on it, basically. They're working on the side quest for the games, for the big game right now. The main storyline and artwork and gameplay for Final Fantasy Sixteen is more or less finished lah from Square Enix's side. It's like a low-key announcement lah, basically. Like, yeah. not, not much to show. We're just saying, it's done. Just wait. Please be patient. Thank you very much. That sort of announcement. Yeah, and I think these days, I think a lot more companies are a bit more aware of those things, right? So to some extent, they also try to manage people's expectations. So if, let's say, they feel like it's not ready yet for them to reveal some trailers, they'll be like, okay, you know, we're, just, well, we're not going to make any announcements or we're going to just say that it's in development and we're probably going to work on it. That is true. Uh, Naoki Yoshida even did mention like, months ago that there will be no big Final Fantasy 16 announcement for this year's TGS. So it's good he managed that. So yeah, it's again, like you said, it's not underwhelming nor overwhelming. It's more like what needs to be done for this year that's online. And yeah, it actually works out just fine because we get a bunch of news. It may not be for everyone, but hey, at least it shows that the Japanese games industry side is doing all right, despite all these setbacks. That was Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchupure.com and he's been summarizing and sharing his thoughts on the recently concluded Tokyo Game Show 2021. We're going to make way for some messages. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Wallpaid. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. We've been talking about this year's Tokyo Game Show and joining me to share his thoughts on the event is Jonathan Leo, content director at gaming website kakuchopori.com. Now we're going to get his take on the event as a whole and his past experiences covering the event in person. Uh, 
I can't help but think of okay I mean pre-pandemic one thing but I always feel like maybe it's because of the fact that we're also in this part of the world right I always see uh, the Tokyo Game Show as second only to Ichi but you know then again that perhaps has changed these days right in fact I can't remember the last time TGS was as big as E3 even like, I think when I was growing up when I, when you know during the early PS2 PS3 era apart from E3 the only other game event that you look forward to is most likely definitely going to be TGS and and there were some major announcements not only for the Japanese market but also for for the global game market right so um these days do you think that that's no longer the case well that's the funny thing people when they think about big announcements they think oh big RPGs or big Western titles or big mainstream global titles. But the thing is, DGS is still doing fine because it's still big, but mostly in, in Japan. Since 2013 onward, Japan has been moving towards making more and more RPGs for the mobile side or quick free-to-play games on the free-to-play side for mobile, iOS, and Android. If the Apex being Grand Blue Fantasy from Games. They actually had a big showing in 2014, TGS. So that was basically the apex of how where Japan's video game market is. Like It's more focused towards mobile gaming rather than console gaming. And true enough, it worked because Tokyo Game Show has always been big since 2013 with mobile games, not so much console games. That's why the rest of the world seems to perceive as TGS as a quote-unquote weaker expo among E3 and whatnot. They, they got to remember that focus, the focus has changed and usually it's for the better for the companies in Japan because of the mobile gaming market, which is still, I mean, I won't say it's on the rise, it's like higher up there on the priority and it's still making them a lot of money since up till now. Mm. I guess for the organizer, they don't really feel the pressure to appease the international market, right? For them, it's also it's still really, about no. serving the serving the local market, right? No, not really. In fact, if you actually looked at the Genshin Impact free concert that happened during TGS, you can see the production. Basically, that that just shows that how much money MiHoYo has made, and they're a Chinese company who are willing to work with work in Japan markets here and there. So you can see the mobile gaming market is big in Tokyo Game Show. I believe there was also like a little graph that showcased like how big exhibitions in mobile gaming are in every show floor in TGS every year. And that graph has been showing more and more like mobile games trending as of late from 2014 up till now. So again, like I mentioned, the focus is on mobile gaming. That's why people seem to perceive TGS as a quote-unquote weaker exhibition. If that's the case, you know, can they perhaps teach something, you know, to their Western counterpart, for example? Like, I think this is going to sound a bit controversial considering that I think the hardcore gamers are still a bit more, I would, I would say elitist, right, to an extent towards mobile gaming. But I mean, if you look at it from a from an industry standpoint, maybe there are lessons to be learned when it comes to, I guess, you know, doing what TGS has been doing. Well, that's the funny thing. I think E3 has been learning a lot from TGS back in like maybe 2008, 9, 10 onward in terms of like making their exhibitions a bit more big scale and making them more presentable. But I think just even the Japanese market for PlayStation, they've been actually more Western focused since 2014 because they know that the Japanese market are more towards mobile gaming already. So for the console market, they have to look elsewhere. Hence, you know, the worldwide market and the Western side. If you remember, the PlayStation 4 actually came out in the US and the Western sites earlier than the Japanese side, which kind of shows that, yeah, the, the, the market has shifted and has stayed there since. So I don't think any each of these expos need to learn anything from one another. They're actually all right on their own in terms of like, 
catering to what the market wants. So if let's just say the Japanese market are catering towards cheaper console games that are free to play, I mean, God forbid, I mean, if that happens like maybe five or 10 years in the future, yes, and then TGS will probably shift to that momentum, to that focus group instead. Okay, so you didn't go to this year's uh, TGS, obviously, but you've been to previous... It's a bit hard, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you've been to previous uh, TGS, uh, right? Uh, And uh, you've been to E3 as well. Yeah, maybe perhaps you can, I guess, give us, you know, a taster of like, what what was it like, you know, when you were there? How does it differ from, you know, conventions like E3 and other conventions that you've been to? Well, for one, Tokyo Game Show is actually held in the Makuhari Mess, this big interconnecting hallway for exhibitions and they've been doing this since god knows how long so yeah the the hallways are big they're segmented by like one empty space in the middle of like two giant hallways and yeah everything is all done in one location if i remember e3 itself you actually have to go through different areas of the same area so it's a bit of a walk compared to tokyo game show having said that all of like the japanese video game presentations are always happening in the video game companies in Tokyo itself. So to travel from Tokyo to Makurari Mess is going to take a while to go back and forth, which is why all the companies have always made their sneak preview games and events all in the companies like a couple of days before like the big Tokyo Game Show weekend, which is usually starting from Thursday, Friday, which are the business days, up until Saturday and Sunday, which are the public days. Basically, my only pro tip for people who are working is you got to do everything in that one week from Monday till Friday because Saturday and Sunday, the public comes in, all the games you want to play, they probably have like long queues for those. So you should really do all your playthroughs and your video captures and your article write-ups prior before the public days. Uh, That's also one thing I kind of need to mention. E3 itself is closed off for the trade show folks and for the industry folks until recently, before the pandemic. While Tokyo Game Show has always been like two days business, two days for the public. So that's a big difference right there. And I felt that that was these kind of shows like TGS, they actually do capture like both the business side and the public fan side of video gaming. So it's really nice to actually, but also you got to remember that it's also very crowded and you're going to have a little space to walk around and whatnot. And also September itself is not such a good weather to actually be walking around because it's just so humid and hot. So that's also one thing I don't really like about Tokyo weather, like around September especially. But overall, yeah, all my experiences with Tokyo Game Show has been very, very enriching because that's how I got my business contacts. That's how I learned the ins and outs of what to do and what not to do and how to prep yourself. And, you know, also like what to eat during lunch and dinner so that you don't end up like halfway, like you need to go take a bathroom break while you're in the middle of something really important. And yeah, there's a lot of running around and a lot of business stuff here and there. So a lot of the business talks also, they actually happen not in the show floor, but in the hotels surrounding Makurari Mess. Like they'll always have like little private sessions for people to play through the game while not being interrupted with the show floor stuff with the noise and whatnot. So it's like different, it's like a lot of various experiences that all come together for, you know, a really insane bunch of few days when you're doing work at TGS. So I'd say it's a really good experience if, let's say, you go there once or twice. Maybe not so much for the third or the fourth or the fifth time, but yeah, it's very different per se. You do work for your for your publication, uh, KKP, kakuchopuri.com. Uh, and, you know, have you been there during the rise in, I guess, popularity for mobile games? And what, what do you think of, of that? And, you know, in your line as a journalist, considering that I think your website has always been 
marketed towards console and PC gaming to a certain extent as well, right? So, um, yeah, what was it like to cover an event that's mostly catered towards mobile games? Um, not so much mobile games, more like Japanese games. So I'd say like it's a bit interesting, like because for mobile gaming, Kakuchupere is more towards you know Japanese-made games too, in a sense like the RPGs. Because Final Fantasy is a Japanese-made RPG as well. So it's Atelier Sophie too. So those are the kind of games where you kind of have like you gotta set your expectations. Like you know that they're gonna be reusing some engines here and there, so you gotta cover it as such and see what new stuff they have featured and whatnot. So going for these kind of events is just going to be very, very tiring because you've got like different interviews being lined up. You also got to make sure... Also learning the language also helps too because I mean, this basic stuff like learning like what the prompts are and how mechanics are. But then if you play a lot of JRPGs and mobile games for the past five, six years, you'll know how these things work out. So it, it just comes in just like that even when you're playing it in a different language. So it's more like more, more experience-based than, you know, reaction based per se when it comes to covering these titles mm. when, when you're there do you feel like work comes first or do you get to also enjoy yourself if you know what I mean like because sometimes you know when you go there with, with work in mind as much as it can be fun it can also be very work focused right we still have to get you know nail down interviews you know make sure you get to play this game capture this capture that but do you manage to at least you know have fun there <laughs> Oh yeah, of course I did. Of course. So that really is reserved on like Saturday for Tokyo Game Show. Like because I told you there are like the business days. So usually Saturday and Sunday, if I'm not flying off early on the Sunday, I would actually just, you know, cover what I need to cover on Saturday in the morning and then, you know, just check out all the other titles, hopefully with no long queues and whatnot. And usually they will have like some presentation or whatnot happening, like a music act or even like a hollow life. Not whole life, sorry. Um, hologram musician act, you know, like Hatsune Miku and the Squid Sisters from Splatoon. So, so I like. I actually would love to tune into those kind of shows. Uh, and usually these would happen like about four p.m. or five p.m. before the show closes. So yeah, it's pretty enlightening, like to to see that there are a lot of these really really loud and really energetic presentations. So there's a lot more liveliness to TGS compared to something like E3 where it's all just business. All right. Okay, that's great to hear. Okay, um, go- going back to, I guess, this year's TGS or, you know, future iteration of TGS. Um, Yeah, your final thoughts and, and your future hopes, I guess, for future events. I think my future hopes is I actually would like to see more of these online shows from Tokyo Game Show. But obviously, get ready the bigger fishes because I think they should be okay like after this pandemic has sort of receded. I mean, not, you know, not being out in the open like that. But generally, I would... I mean, I think what they've done so far is within their power, it's actually good enough. I think they just need bigger titles and bigger bigger game announcements, you know, like what they did for the previous Nintendo Switch last month or even the PlayStation Showcase and the Xbox Showcase a couple of months back. In fact, I think Nintendo actually did a better TGS showing than TGS did when you think about it, when they announced the new Kirby game and the new Bayonetta 3 gameplay and whatnot. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much... I think that's what I want, like something like Nintendo Direct last month, but for TGS, for that weekend itself. Mm. You know, I think uh, we have, we've had early conversations where we spoke about how companies these days are more focused on doing their events, right? And the fact that you mentioned Nintendo doing their own uh, Nintendo Direct was also a thing. Do you think that this is going to be a thing with Japanese developers as well, like having their own events? It also takes a lot of manpower and time. And Nintendo has been doing this since about 2013, 14, when Satoru Iwata was still alive as the CEO. So I believe companies, they do want to do that, but they 
they just don't have the time and the budget and they probably are just going to focus on one big marquee title. I think a really good example is Shin Megami Tensei 5, which is coming out next month. They've been doing a lot of presentations for that game from back in March up until now. And even they did a bunch of showcases for that game on the TGS online show floor. So yeah, companies are doing that on their own, but it really they have to be very selective with their titles. So they can do it, they want to do it, but again, wanting to do something and being able to pull it off really well are two different things, right? You're tuned into GG Well Played, and we've been looking back at the recent Tokyo Game Show 2021 with Jonathan Leo from kakuchopurei.com. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play, and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts about the show or the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Hanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and stay safe. Till next time, GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.